0: preach, one of the things that they stress is make eye contact, make eye contact, eye contact is important, make eye contact. Well today, um, we're, we're in our second week in a sermon series on intimacy, and today we're talking about pornography, so here's my vow to you. I'm not going to make eye contact with you. Does that sound good to everybody? Okay, I, I think we can do that. All right, uh, like I said, we're in our second week in a sermon series on intimacy, and, and we're not pulling any punches here. We're talking about some uncomfortable topics that don't usually get talked about in church. Today we're going to be talking about the very real danger of pornography. And if you're a guest here, uh, I don't want you to be caught off guard by that. I understand that you probably are. Just by me saying that word in church is a little bit disorienting, Uh, but if you're a guest here and you don't want your children to be a part of that discussion, I totally understand. I really do. Um, so um, if you want, we have children's classes available for all ages, and uh, now would be a good time to take them there if you don't want them to be a part of that discussion. Again, I totally understand that. Okay? This is, this is a mature topic, but I want you to understand we're talking about a mature topic like mature Christians. Okay, so that's my vow to you. We'll talk about mature topics, but we're going to talk about it like mature Christians. All right, um, I suspect some of you are probably wondering why we're going to do a sermon on pornography. You're going, all right, last week I get it. You talked about sex, and, and sex was God's idea. So we're, we're trying to reclaim this idea of biblical intimacy. So I get last week, that was uncomfortable enough, but now you're going and doing this? We're talking about pornography because pornography is not God's idea. You see, where, see what we're doing there? We're talking about pornography because it's not God's idea. God didn't have any inclination that we would do that, that we would look at images of other people in that way. God didn't have any design that we would trade real intimacy with a husband or a wife for an image on a screen it's not god's idea at all in fact satan took god's perfectly good perfectly holy design for intimacy and he very literally perverted it so that's why we're going to talk about pornography See, we're going to talk about pornography because it's not God's design. You see, God gave us a design. He said he gave us sex. And sex is the language that God has given us to say, I belong only to you forever. That's the language that a husband will share with a wife and that a wife will share with a husband. I belong only to you forever. What pornography says is, you're not enough. You're not enough. I need to supplement this intimacy that we have with images that I'll find on a screen or pictures in a magazine or something on my TV. You aren't enough. With pornography, we replace the real gift of God with a lie that will never deliver on its promises. We replace the real gift of God. Sex is a gift from God. We replace that real gift with a lie that is never, listen to me, never going to deliver what it promises. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I want to be a porn addict. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to be addicted to pornography. Maybe it started when you were younger. And you had questions, natural questions that everybody has about human sexuality, and you were too embarrassed to ask anybody. So you turned to your computer for answers. Maybe it started when a serious relationship ended and you were just trying to fill a void. Maybe it started by you wanting to spice things up a little bit in your marriage. However, you got started on pornography, I'm here to tell you porn's never gonna deliver what it promises. It's never going to deliver what it promises. Now, I, I'm going to make a note here. Pornography isn't a new problem. Okay, it, It's been around for a long time. People struggled with pornography in Corinth. Okay, But it is different today than it's ever been before. In the U.S., there's always been uh, seedy movie theaters. There's always been bookstores with boarded-up windows. And there's always been gas stations with magazines. But there's a difference today. It's different than it's ever been before. See, the difference today is that you don't have to go to any of those places. You don't have to go to any of those places in the morse. In the past, pornography was reserved for whoever was jaded enough to be seen walking into or out of one of those places. Whoever was already morally bankrupt enough. Right, you weren't gonna find somebody stopping there after church. But it's different today because you don't have to go into one of those morally uh, condemned places. All you have to do is close your door and open an internet browser. The ease of access has changed the game when it comes to pornography. See, it's now not about who will see you and who won't see you because it's completely anonymous. And that's changed Everything. Between the year 2000 and 2012, this is when high-speed internet became uh, more prolific. Between 2000 and 2012, the internet porn industry grew by 566%. In 2000, it was a billion-dollar worldwide industry. Today, pornography is a $15 billion industry in the U.S. alone. See how things have changed? $15 $15 billion in the U.S. alone, that is more than the combined revenue of professional football, baseball, and basketball combined. That's more than our country spends on foreign aid each year. Maybe, maybe we can do this. Um, if we stopped spending money on pornography, we would be halfway to solving world hunger in the U.S. The United Nations estimates that it cost $30 billion a year to solve world hunger, to feed the people in the world who need fed. We spend $15 billion a year on our sinful appetites in the United States. Around the world, pornography is a $100 billion industry. We could feed the world three times over with money to spare. Now, those are big picture issues. Let's bring it a little closer to home because this isn't somebody else's problem. This is something that you or somebody you care about is struggling with right now. And uh, just, just prepare yourself for this, okay? Ninety percent of children between the age of eight and sixteen have viewed internet pornography. Ninety percent. In many cases, it was accidentally. In many cases, it was unwillingly. But ninety percent. Average age that a child views pornography for the first time is eleven. The number one age group that consumes pornography is 12 to 17-year-old boys. Probably didn't surprise you, but this isn't just a guy problem. The fastest growing demographic of pornographic viewers is 16 to 22-year-old women. For the first time in history, there's going to be a generation of people who would rather look at pictures of the opposite sex than enjoy physical intimacy with a husband or wife. Why is that? Some of you are going, why why would somebody rather look at a picture of somebody else? Well, because of the messages that they're receiving from pornography, it gets confusing and it gets frustrating. Boys are growing up learning that girls exist for sexual gratification. And when they realize that that's not true in real life, they get frustrated and they retreat to their computer. And the more that you retreat, the more the brain is rewired to prefer those images on the screen instead of the people on the streets. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we solve this crisis? First of all, we talk about it. We talk about it. My whole life, pornography has been an unspeakable word in church. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, we cannot afford to be silent on this subject. We just can't. So let's see what the Bible has to say. Let's see what the Bible has to say on this subject. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. This may be an unlikely place. Some of you might have thought we'd have gone to 1 Corinthians, uh, but 2 Samuel chapter 11 is going to give us some interesting insight, and I want to share this with you. Second uh, Samuel chapter 11, we'll start in verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Let's stop here for just a minute. The text says that David went up onto the rooftop after his midday rest. It was late in the afternoon. I'm here to submit to you that David didn't have an impulse to just go up on the rooftop and see what he could see. He wasn't trying to catch a late afternoon breeze. He knew what he was going up there for. See, he lived in a palace. It was the tallest building around. He knew that he could look down on other rooftops and he knew that this was specifically a time of day reserved for women to bathe and have privacy. David knew what he was going up on the rooftop for. He knew what he was doing. If we put it in a modern context, David knew that he was changing the channel to orange is the new black. David knew that he was navigating to the wrong website. David knew that he was picking up the wrong magazine. And yet, he climbed the stairs anyway. So here's a principle for all of us. Here's a principle for all of us. Ready? Avoid the rooftops. Avoid the rooftops. We all have rooftops. If you struggle with being alone, go fishing. Right, Go running. Go do something. Call me. I won't go running with you, but we'll flee temptation together. (laughs) If your self-control fades when you get tired, go to bed. If you're sexually aroused by the shows you watch, look at me. Find new shows. If you struggle with using the computer late at night, set a time limit for yourself. Avoid the rooftops. And Avoiding the rooftops is about avoiding the situations that lead you to sin. I can't tell you what those are for you, but you'll know what they are. Avoid them. David climbed the stairs knowing what he was looking for. Don't pick up your remote looking for sin. Don't click your mouse looking for sin. Don't pick up your smartphone looking for sin. Stay off the rooftops. Why? Because there's a lot at stake here. I want you to listen to these words from Jesus. He said, you've heard it said, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Everybody recognizes that adultery is a line that nobody wants to cross. Everybody recognizes that that's a bad thing. Nobody wants to do that, and yet 90% of men cross that line in their heart every month. Jesus says if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. Get rid of it. If your remote causes you to stumble, throw it out. If your mouse causes you to stumble, throw it out. If your smartphone causes you to stumble, drop it in a bucket of water for it's better for you to lose one part of your body, for it's better for you to lose some aspect of modern convenience than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So stay off the rooftops. Whatever your triggers are, whatever your temptations are, whatever leads you to become more susceptible to sin, stay off those rooftops. Here's why. Because pornography is always going to have consequences. It may seem harmless. It's what I do in in my room alone. Nobody else sees. But pornography will always have consequences. Look at the story of David. Pick it up in verse 3. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual cycle. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. David knew that he wanted to go up to the roof and look at women while they bathed. I don't believe that he knew he was going to get carried away with lust and sin for Bathsheba. And I certainly don't believe he intended on getting her pregnant. Pornography has consequences for us too. Teenagers are the most common porn users in the country, so let's talk consequences. The teenage brain is at its peak of neuroplasticity and dopamine production. Let's translate that. Here's what that means. The teenage brain is finely tuned to develop habits. That can be a good thing. There are all sorts of habits that that we can cement in our teenage years that will be useful for the rest of our lives, but it's also a negative thing. It means that the teenage brain is at the highest risk for developing addictions of any sort. The brain's at its most impressionable stage. So if you develop a habit in your teenage years, it's awfully hard to kick later on. Now imagine you develop a habit that gives you a chemical reaction as addicting as heroin. That's pornography. See, the teenage body is at its peak of dopamine production. Dopamine is responsible for activating the reward center in your brain. Dopamine tells your body, that was good. You should do that again. It's at its peak during teenage years. We wire our bodies to release dopamine when viewing pornography. It'll be something we struggle with for the rest of our lives. Mark Driscoll said in a sermon on pornography, to leave a 14-year-old alone with their smartphone is as dangerous as handing them a loaded gun. Nobody wants to be addicted. Nobody wants to be reliant on pornography forever. We all eventually want to get married and enjoy intimacy with a husband or a wife, but pornography absolutely has the ability to rob us of that. Here's the bottom line. The more you say yes to porn, the harder it is to say no. The more you say yes, the harder it is to say no. In 1953, Hugh Hefner started a magazine called Playboy, and he said if you view these pictures and read my magazine, your relationships will be better over the long haul. You'll be a better lover. The problem is most of those couples that bought into that lie never made it to the long haul. Because pornography creates a dissatisfaction with what you have. It creates unrealistic expectations because suddenly you're comparing your spouse to somebody who's been professionally made up and professionally photoshopped. It leads the eye to wonder. Leads the eye to wonder to a picture. Wonder to a webpage. Wonder to a person. Wonder to a bedroom. All the while wondering away from your spouse. Nobody wakes up one day and decides to invite somebody into their bed. I don't believe David did either. But somehow that doesn't make it any better, does it? One of the problems with pornography is desensitization. What used to excite you no longer does. So you have to go to greater extremes to release that dopamine. And at some point that extreme involves Bathsheba. So stay off the rooftops. Because pornography will always have consequences. Always. And not only will pornography always have consequences, pornography will always lead to greater sin. Always lead to greater sin. Let's go back to the story of David. I'm going to summarize for a little bit here. After finding out that Bathsheba is pregnant, David says... Oh, no. And he calls for Uriah the Hittite. He says, Uriah, how are the troops doing? Now, David could have called anybody to report on the troops and the morale. And really, Uriah is an unlikely choice. But but David has a plan. He's kind of a sneaky, conniving fellow at this point in his life. He says, okay, Uriah, thanks for the report. Now go home for a few days, and then you're going to go back to the front lines of the battle. Translation Go home and sleep with your wife. That way my sin will be covered up. Kind of devious, isn't it? But it backfires on him. Uriah, he's a, he's a faithful man. And he's faithful not only to his wife, he's faithful to his troops. And so what Uriah says is, no, my king, my men are still out on the battlefield. How can I go home and eat a delicious meal and be with my wife and then go look my troops in the eyes? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go sleep in the guard shack at the entrance to the palace. And David's going, this honorable, godly man is a real pain in my butt. Normally a king would be pleased with such devotion to duty and loyalty to his men, but not a king who's trying to cover up his sin. See, that's kind of a problem, isn't it? An addiction like pornography is going to make us resent the godly. It's going to make us resent the honorable So David tries to get Uriah drunk to go home to his wife, still nothing, so he devises a plan. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver the letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy's soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Pornography is always going to lead to greater sin. David ended up murdering Bathsheba's husband. Now I'm not saying that you're going to end up committing a murder if you watch pornography. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that the states with the three highest rates of pornographic viewing and usage also have the three highest rates of rape in the country. Research from the University of New Hampshire. I am saying that the Michigan State Police found that 41% of the sex crimes they investigated were imitations of pornography. I am saying that pornography was connected to all 1,400 sexual assault cases in a major U.S. city in 2016. And even if you never commit a crime because of your pornographic use, visiting these websites fuels the global industry of sexual slavery. Right now, there are 30 million women and girls who are sexually enslaved across the world. And the use of pornography will cause that number to rise. Why? Because if it's profitable, people will keep doing it. Some of you are going, well, I only go to the free sites. I only go to the free sites. Well, you know what else is a free site? Facebook. And the guy who owns it is worth $78 billion. So that's kind of flawed logic, don't you think? How does a free site make money? Advertising. Guess who advertises on a free pornographic website, a pornographic site that costs money? And every time you click on that page, you're legitimizing the advertiser's existence and you're contributing to a culture of global slavery. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to beat anybody up here. I'm not, but I do wanna to communicate to you that pornography is not as innocent as you've been led to believe. Some of you never heard that before. Some of you are here today thinking it's okay, it's harmless because I do that alone with the door closed and the light off. Some of you never heard that it's dangerous. Some of you think it's okay. I want to confront you with God's truth on that subject today. It's not okay. It's dangerous to your mind, it's dangerous to your relationships, and ultimately, it's dangerous to your soul. I got one more thing that I want to say before we change gears. Take a look at 2 Samuel 11 in verse 3. He, this is David, he sent someone to find out who this beautiful woman was. And he was told, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Notice, notice the man who found out about about Bathsheba. Notice how he answers David. He said, she's Bathsheba, but then he makes it more personal. Bathsheba is the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah. I think whoever told King David was very subtly saying, sir, you don't want to do this. That's Eliam's daughter. Sir, you don't want to do this. That's, that's Uriah's wife. They were making it personal. Let me make it personal for us. When you look at pornography, you're looking at a child of God. When you look at pornography, you're looking at a person that Jesus died for. You're looking at someone whose life is unimaginably painful. Do you know that most pornographic actresses have been raped multiple times? Over 90% admit to regular drug and alcohol use. 70% say they're dependent on drugs and alcohol to make it through their day. Do you know that the rate of suicide in the adult entertainment industry is six times the national average? Maybe most striking of all, the national average for life expectancy, 78 years across the board. For pornographic actors and actresses, their life expectancy is 36 years. When you view pornography, you're looking at a very broken person who is very valuable to God. So what do we do? How can we get over this addiction? Statistically, there are a lot of people in this room that need to be asking that question, men and women. So what do we need to do? I submit we start with our kids. Don't just have the talk, have the talks. Have the talks. Not just with your sons, with your daughters too. When do they start? Well, the average age of exposure is 11 years old so I say we start that conversation before then and I know that no parent wants to sit down with their child and talk about pornography I get it I don't want to either but remember their friends and their classmates are gonna have no such reservations having awkward conversations now can save you from some really painful ones later and if parents If you need help, if you need to know how to start this conversation, call up the church. Give me a call. Send me a text, an email. I can give you the research that I've compiled in this sermon. I've put it in a document. Um, It's going to have some links that might be helpful to you. Um, I've got to print it out today. And after service, if you want that, uh, Luke's going to have those, and he'll be ready to distribute those to, to any of you who might want that information. Okay, So have the conversations. Now, what do you need to do if you need to break that sin in your own life? I'm going to give you a few things. First of all, repent. Decide today that you don't want this to be a part of your life anymore and begin to starve that habit. It won't be easy and you won't be perfect, but you can repent. Some of you need to remove your ability to have Internet access on your smartphone. It'll be worth it. Some of you need to change your cable package. It'll be worth it. Some of you need to use accountability software on your computers. It'll be worth it. X3 Watch and Covenant Eyes are great resources here. Um, But I'm going to be honest with you, just doing those things won't be enough. You need to begin praying for deliverance from this sin. Prayer is where your desire to quit meets the healing power of Holy Spirit. So pray. And to a similar degree, you can't To a similar degree, that you can't do this without God. You can't do this on your own. So, invite other people into your struggle. Confess it to somebody you trust and establish some accountability. For so many reasons, get some accountability. First of all, just confessing is a huge relief. You no longer have to deal with it alone. Second, you have somebody that you can call and say, Hey, I I can't be alone right now. I need you to pray for me, I need us to go fishing. Again, I won't run with you, but I will walk with you. So have somebody you can call and say, I can't be alone right now. Have somebody you can call and say, I messed up. See, when you have accountability, you have somebody who's going to challenge you to the righteousness of God and remind you of the grace of God. Pornography is a deceptive trap. It's one that a tragic number of people succumb to. The world around you says it's innocent, it's no big deal, it's normal, it's natural. And today, some of you feel broken and riddled with guilt because you've believed those lies for too long. I want to remind you of what we said last week. Nobody in here, nobody in here has outsinned the grace of God. I don't know how deep you're in. I don't know how trapped you feel, but I know that Jesus gives new life. Tim Keller says the gospel is this. You're more sinful, evil, and weak than you ever believed possible, but you're more valued, accepted, and loved than you ever dared hope. Some of you needed to hear that today. And here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I, uh, I realize this is an awkward sermon, and I know that this would be an awkward sermon to come forward after, so I'm not going to ask you to do that. What I am going to say is, I'm going to be in my office, and if you need to talk about whatever, you just come down to my office after church. You can call me. You can email. You can text me. Again, I'll be in my office if we want to talk about this today, okay? And if you want the resources, Luke will have those for you after service. But right now, what I want to do is pray. So would you join me in praying? God. This is a hard subject to talk about in church, and I'm grateful for uh, these people. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that they trust me enough to let me share this subject. And I'm grateful, God, that you give us a grace. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For some of us, that falling short is primarily sexual sin. We praise you that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And some of us feel enslaved today, but we don't have to because Jesus is greater. God, I thank you for the hope that's provided in the song that we sang earlier. If our God is for us, then what could stand against us? Certainly not pornography. So we praise you for that, God. And we pray for anyone in this room that may need to break those chains today, that they would have the courage, they would have the guts to walk down to my office or pick up their phone and start this conversation, God. I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to do that. God, for our kids, we pray that they wouldn't grow up in a world where they're disillusioned by pornography, but that we can equip them to understand the dangers of this sin. God, for our parents, I pray that you'd give us wisdom to speak to our kids about pornography in an honest way that conveys the urgency we feel. And God, we pray for those women and and girls and men and boys who are enslaved sexually. God, we pray that you would free them We pray that you would release them from this hell on earth that their lives are. God, for the men and women who are in the adult entertainment industry, we pray that you would share the hope of Jesus with them, that they might leave this lifestyle, that they might find hope and deliverance. So many of them were hurt as children, and they're looking for love. I pray that you'll show them your great love. We love you, God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.